0: Children, too. Welcome back to Married with Children, the podcast. Um, Exciting night tonight. Have a uh, former colleague and of mine in studio, uh, Mr. Mike Broughton, um, just recently retired uh, from 42 years in education at several different spots, from teaching and coaching to uh, college coaching to some uh, athletic administration. And his last stop, he is now the Indiana All-Star Game Director um, and has been out looking at the best talent in the state of Indiana for, for high school hoops. But before we bring him in and get talking to him, I do want to thank our sponsors, miller's termite and pest control is the only place you need to look for pest control don't get roped into contracts or high prices with the big companies reach out to someone who cares about you they can handle any problem from termites bed bugs ants spiders etc they also do lawn care where else can you keep the bugs out of your house and your yard looking sharp reach out to them today on facebook at miller's termite and pest control Email at pest underscore n underscore peace at yahoo.com or by phone at 812 767 5657. We've all heard horror stories about insurance companies and insurance agents. Let me tell you about my family's agent, Tommy Taylor. Tommy is an agent at Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance and is a multi line agent that can keep all your insurance in one place. Why is a dedicated agent so important? When you have the unexpected occur, you'd much rather know the person on the other end of the phone. Contact info for Tommy. 812-372-4483 at extension 2447 or look him up on facebook at tommy taylor indiana farm bureau insurance don't be another horror story stop knocking on wood and relying on a 1-800 number trust tommy taylor today looking for a new tattoo looking for a professional piercer to add to your body art there's no reason to drive to Indy or louisville just visit beauty from ashes tattoo parlor in crothersville indiana Beauty for Ashes is located just past the Dollar General on Highway 31. Stop in and check out the amazing work done by all four artists at the shop. Each artist has a unique and personal style, but all do amazing work. The shop is family-friendly, so don't hesitate to bring your kids or loved ones with you when you stop by to get some ink. Check out all the artists' work on their Facebook page and book an appointment today with either Kyle, Martha, Billy, or Lily. You won't be disappointed. Beauty for Mashes Tattoo Parlor, Crothersville, Indiana. All right, and we are back here again with Mike Broughton, uh, director of the Indiana All-Star Game, uh, former uh, basketball coach, teacher in the state of Indiana, college-level Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame member, um, and the winner of the 1993 IHSA State Championship. So welcome, Mike.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's going to be fun. Yeah,
0: we're we're excited to have you. And yesterday, obviously, was a, a big day as we talk about Indiana high school basketball. The draw came out for the tournament. Um, But I kind of want to go back with you and and talk about what was it about Indiana high school basketball that drew you in? I mean, I know you played in high school, but then to go on and coach and do the things you did.
1: Well, my father was a coach. Uh, He coached in the 50s. In fact, he coached in southern Indiana. at a school called Whitewater, which is no longer there. It's outside Richmond. And then uh, we moved when I was six to Hebron. He was a head coach there before he became principal and uh so i i kind of grew up with the pot belly stoves and the little schools and at that time i think when i rode around when he scouted there might have been 700 schools it was a lot and uh so i don't know i always just had a interest to go play and be involved and then i kind of got in the coaching part of it when you know back in the day they scouted just like we did and now that's different with huddle but uh, you know, I just used to sit in there and, and just kind of look at the plays and different things. And so I was kind of involved in high school. We were pretty successful. They hadn't won a sectional at the school in 22 years. And we were a little school, and we beat some big schools and won. And so we got to the Lafayette Regional and got beat. And then I went to college and played at, at Marion College, Indiana Westland, and played baseball. And so when I got out of, of um, well, I got cut by the Miami Orioles. Uh, I was a first baseman, got a tryout, stayed a week, and the guy guy told me that uh, uh, you go back and get a teaching job, hunt for a teaching job. It was like uh, April and May. I was down in Miami. I didn't rent anything because I didn't know how long I'd last, but they brought in 10 of us, and I actually was the last one left, so I kind of thought I was going to make the team, and he Mm -hmm. says, look, we got two first basemen. If one gets hurt, we're bringing you back. It was like 600 a month or some crazy amount. I was married. <clears throat> if not, you ought to go back and look for a teaching job, but I'll call you July 1st. Well, I never thought they'd call me for one, but they did. And he said, you know what? You need to get a teaching job. Uh, cause these two guys are both here and they, they were, they had, you know, they weren't bonus babies or anything, but they were making a lot more per month than I was going to make. <laughs> and so I was kind of the last man out. And so, uh, my batting practice to try to make the team was against a guy named Camilo Pasquale and he pitched for Minnesota and maybe in the hall of fame. But I, I can remember we went to bat the first time against the guy and I stood in the back. Cause I go, this guy's almost, you know, hall of fame two, 300 win guy. And the first guy I went up there, he was, a. Uh, I think he might have been from Puerto Rico or somewhere. And he says, Well, all bad. I'm going to show you guys how to do it. And he missed the first 10 pitches. They cut him right there. So <laughs> I, I was lucky I stayed in the background. But oh, I ended up, uh, the guy did help me though, because I ended up uh, working for the Toronto Blue Jays for five summers. And I did tryout camps all across the country. And I uh, got to meet a guy named Charlie Hum. And at that time, I mean he's passed away now, but I was sitting there eating with these guys and I was, you know, just hitting ground balls for trout camps and grading them when they threw from the outfield and stuff. And they said, Hey, tell Charlie, tell Mike uh who you who you signed and I said, Well, sir, who'd you sign? He goes, Mickey Mantle. <laughs> oh my gosh. So so it was kind of an interest. So I got involved in that because I really enjoyed it. But what happened to kind of my decision to go from coaching basketball or baseball was the fact that baseball, I do the fields all the time. I had to go out there and rake the fields In basketball. All I had to do was get the chairs out. And that actually was part of my decision, why I made the decision I did. Wow. Really? Wow. And what do you think? I mean, what
0: was the toughest challenge? You started at at Kankakee Valley, correct? Right, uh-huh. Was your first coaching job. What do you think was that toughest challenge as a young coach coming into,
1: you know, those first years? Well, I was a JV coach uh, for um, two years. And I lost the first game I coached. Uh, was against Merrillville. And I was at Kankakee Valley, so I went home 0-1. And I thought, oh, this isn't such a good deal. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I had a bunch of kids there that really wanted to play hard. We didn't know how good we were. And, you know, it was kind of a funny thing that you just, you kind of lack confidence. I guess you kind of think you know a lot, but you don't really know very much. And so I got involved, and uh, fortunate, fortunately, I won the next 17th.
2: And so oh it, ga- it
1: gave me some uh it gave me some idea that, okay, I can do this. And I still didn't know a whole lot. So the second year, we won 17 again, and then I became a head coach. And I don't know um, at that time if I really should have been a head coach because I was pretty young, but it was at – I went to Hebron where I played. I was there a couple years and then went on to Rushville. But I was fortunate in the fact that I – that first year or two for these young coaches, if you get to a place where – there's not any talent and you get behind the eight ball right out of the gate, you got trouble. And I was fortunate that the JV was, I might've been 34 and five or something. And then when I became a head coach, those two teams, we didn't win at Heber in the sectional, but I think we were 30 and 10 or we we had a winning Mm seasons both times. And so we were successful. So that gave me a chance at those days, you start at a small school and if you won you got to move up to the next size and if you won you got to the next size and nobody got to go like to Jeffersonville at 25 you you were at those places uh you know when you were 35 or 40 it's so different today because you get young guys like the young guy at Center Grove he's gets out of college I'm Center Grove coach well then you're coaching guy maybe Mr. Basketball and I'm not sure that's totally fair to him today I mean you got to You know, you were assistant, I know, and you got the hard knocks of figuring it out. Yeah. And I don't think I would have been a very good head coach if I hadn't had those two assistants. One year I was under Gene Miller, and he's at Washington, won the state. And then the second year, a a gentleman named Mike Lord, and he went to Bloomington North and got to the semi State. So both of those guys could coach. And so they go, Mike, nope, can't do that. Nope, you can do that. And so those two years were good. I might have probably, if I had my druthers, it would have been best to have been a little longer as an assistant coach. But we did okay.
0: And I think that, uh, you know, when you look at what's happened in the NFL and the NBA and some of these, even in college programs, the the younger they're going with some of these guys, I think it even encourages these high schools more to take a chance on a guy. And I do. I think it's very, I agree with you. I think it's very, very tough. I spent, you know, almost 10 years, you know, before I before I actually took over as a head coach. And um, even though I was young in age, I had spent a lot of time in that assistance role and. One of the best things I've ever heard is as a basketball coach, that 12 inches that you move from the head assistant to that head coach is a big thing. And and you and I have talked before. Having to call the timeout and when to make the the decision, it's a whole different world when you're sitting in that first chair.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I I coached for 23 years in high school and then two as an assistant, so it's 25 years. And so when I was offered the job at Nebraska, University of Nebraska, I thought, well, I kind of know what's going on. I've won a lot of games. And then you get into that world, and that world is... I would maybe, say, how
2: different is... <laughs> I mean, I because I am sure, like, it is... Especially going to that level. I mean...
1: It I, is just... It was just eye-opening, and I was... Luck, fortunately, I was the ops the first year. But the ops guy with Coach Collier was... You watch all the practices with me after practice. <laughs> and then I had to sit and do... I had to write things during practice. And then, of course, after the third game of the first year, here I'm the ops guy and I'm sitting taking a few notes and I'm pretty calm and you can't actually be on the court coaching, but I was kind of enjoying life. And it was a pretty neat deal for me. I was getting to see it because it's, like you said, a lot different. And then he calls me in the third or fourth game of the season. He goes, Mike, uh, I just fired the radio guy. I says, you did what? And he goes, I just fired the color guy. And he goes, I want you to be color on the radio and then come down at halftime and (laughs) give me notes and then go back up and do it. And I go, you know, coach, I'm kind of happy with just what I'm doing. And, of course, there's a lot of big money in that. And Mm -hmm. so he said, am I going to lay some money down on your desk over there if you'll do this for me? Of course, when he called, you jumped. But my last year as an assistant there, I worked 357 days out of 365. And I actually believe that those three years in college were probably like nine at Jeffersonville. I worked hard at Jeffersonville, but I thought I knew a lot. And we one day I mean, he goes, We gotta change this out of bounds play. So we go on the court and we are looking at angles and different things that I'd never seen where this guy lines up third piece of wood to the left of the block and all this and we stayed two hours out there and so the scouts were the the copy I gave the kids was seven pages the copy I gave Barry was 14 pages and then the copy I had was 21 pages and when Missouri came down the court before they crossed he expected me to yell the play of what they were running and so it was kind of interesting because Barry was a really good coach that if you had Missouri on the 28th game, he would bring you in a couple days before as you were writing it and say, 25th game against uh, Texas A&M, Delaney scored 12 points in the second half. Draw me how he scored them. And so you had to watch the other 27 games. So there was times I would we would have big Monday and we'd be at Texas A&M. And so I'd hop on the plane – Sunday afternoon tell my Patty goodbye and I said hey you know what I'll catch you Thursday after the game and yeah I'd come back Monday night and then Tuesday was scouting Wednesday I had to get it ready for scout team Thursday we're playing Texas and hey it had to it had to roll so it was uh, demanding but I probably knew in fact I tell people and they laugh and that I probably knew 10% of what i know today about i was gonna basketball. say is that
2: where you really think that you learned
1: oh yes. every, i
2: mean all of the you know everything that you are a lot of what you ended up
1: yeah, knowledge wise it was uh i probably learned 90 percent of basketball after i won the state because it's just you know and and you know teachers have to teach all day i taught math and then you coach and i had late nights and things but at Nebraska. It was 365, we right. were the recruiting players. We're figuring out how to get better. You have yeah. individual workouts. And there's such a demand for every piece of knowledge. And I'm amazed at some of the guys that can be assistants for 30 years. I mean, it's just amazing that they can do it. And that's why I left Nebraska is because I wanted to be the head coach. And we had money at the school, Southern Nazarene University. had a 7,000-seat gym, but I could go like this. Uh, Adam was my assistant. I said, Adam, you go to Houston. If you look at this guy and he's good, I'm going to fly in the next day and you pick me up at the airport instead of me spending three days yeah. down there looking at a zillion players. Here's the guy we need. I'll come down if he's good. Yeah. And so it was just a different world. I was going 26 days in a row one time. And I went from Lincoln to Chicago to London to Munich to Stuttgart, to Croatia, back to Germany, to Munich, back to London, back in. As soon as I landed in Chicago, I got a call and it says, hey, we need you in Vegas. I went to Vegas, and then I went to Florida, and then I thought I was done because it was the end of the month. And Coach Collier says, Mike, there's a good player at the Empire State Building in New York Take off there, get back by August first, you don't break no rules. (laughs) So there was times at the end, and I was forty five years old that I didn't even know where I got up. So it's a different world.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, going back to it being 365, I can remember, you know, we listened to one coach when I was in one of the clinics and he was at a, a smaller school in Tennessee, but you know, he spent the off season and talking about the angles and things they break down. He calculated how many miles his linemen were walked to go back to a huddle. And he calculated that out to how much that took out of them in a game. So that's why he – that was his presentation to be a no-huddle offense. And I'm like, unbelievable the amount of time and thought and the little details to make sure that that they were uh, – they're perfect. But obviously, 1993, you win um, the state championship at Jeffersonville. And and I've been blessed to get to hear some of those stories, being around you and working with you for 10 years. and um, But – what was that that job like, and then I know the pressure that it felt, but to actually reach that
1: pinnacle? Well, everybody back in the day, when you didn't have class basketball, everybody kind of wanted to be a head varsity coach, and so you get to a little school and you hope you win. So I went from a school of 300 to one of 800 to one of 1,500. And When I got the job at Jeffersonville, I was going to turn the job down, and a, a gentleman named Don Lotstetter, who lives in Madison today, I called him I says man I said there's a lot of pressure on this deal because I was told by two board members that if you lose to New Albany three times in a row we're going to fire you well my children were seven and nine and I'm thinking this and at Castle we just got to the regional final and they hadn't won a sectional in years and I had a pretty good program so I actually drove back from Jeffersonville and said I'm not taking it well Don says you know what Mike you've worked all these years to get to a place to win it you can win it there and if you don't win at least you said you tried and when he told me that i decided to go well anyway the first year uh we changed some things mark bixler was a coach before i was there and he did a great job so it wasn't like a rebuild or anything i just they'd gone seven times to the finals and lost all seven so they felt they were hexed and so yeah we had five thousand season tickets um we gave 100 tickets to the opponents. I mean, when Jennings and New Albany and them came in, they got 100 tickets. When I went to New Albany, we got 100 tickets. And I had police escorts pretty much wherever I went um, as far as during games and before games because people were crazy. Um, first year, we got to the Semistate. I got beat by Evans and Hart, who played for IU. We got beat in Evansville. And we weren't supposed to be very good. We got beat by Charlestown 70-48 to in the first game I coached, and I benched them all. And we just had to play harder, and we figured it out. We got on them, and so then we won a bunch of games. We ended up, I think, 21-4, and but I had sophomores and freshmen. So the next year we're rated pretty high. We go all the way to the finals. Our two losses were to Floyd and New Albany back-to-back. But I beat them in the tournament, and we go to the finals, and I play Richmond. We out rebound Richmond. We lead by six with two to go. We threw the ball away. Got beat in overtime. I walked in there that day thinking, I'll never get here again. It was at the Hoosier Dome. There was 32,000. And so, they did have Wilkerson, Flynn. were two guards. One played at IU. One played at Louisville. And, in fact, Wilkerson and Hanley spoke up. The seniors, we were sitting in the locker room. We got beat 92 to 90, which shows great defense. And so, the <laughs> – so the next so they were sitting in the locker room they go coach nothing matters unless we get back and I said yeah I think kind of that's the case so the next year we're number one and actually you know Wilkerson the 275 assists Hanley was kind of our guy on the inside and so we lose to St. X we lose to St. X in Kentucky fouls were 34 to 5 oh my gosh and so we lost to them and I lost to Richmond again the hall of fame which those two games actually helped set it up and then in the tournament you know we trailed I guess in the final game we trailed um, first quarter we might have been down 22 to 10 or something and we're in the huddle and Hanley looks at me goes coach we got him right where we want him and we were just tough I mean, we were physical. We were tough. Uh, all five played Division One, and my sixth man was uh, running back at Michigan. He signed at Michigan. So we had guys, <laughs> and we tried to intimidate. We were physical. Ben Davis was good. They had, uh, they had uh, Mr. Basketball a couple years later, Frierson. And uh, we led with um, – I held the ball with 239 game tied. And we had taught them how to hold it. And the people of the town didn't like this holding thing. (laughs) But we took it down to 39 seconds, and they fouled us. And uh, Corey Norman had missed free throws against Richmond. And we talked about that all year. So we're in the huddle, and I go, well, we practice all these free throws. It looks like to me this should be a good thing. And so he goes to the line, and we're games tied. And I tell Hanley, they're 6'9", 6'8", we're 6'3", 6'5", inside. And I said, Blow that guy up, because if Corey misses, it's going to the right. Well, he made the first. We're up one. We hadn't led the whole game. He misses the second, but Hanley runs that guy clear out of bounds. He said, should I foul him? I said, yeah, we got five team fouls. If you foul him, we can set the defense. Well, he kind of blew him up, got the rebound, laid it in, and that was pretty much the last 39 seconds. And so there was 30,000. The people, after it was over, I had people that when they passed away, they wanted my shirt, wanted my – socks and people uh, we had standing lines when we got back to jeff uh for the little after the deal on mm-hmm. a sunday i mean there was probably seven eight thousand people lined up the streets and then there was five thousand in the gym and only seated about five and it was just it was like it was like a big heavy burden was taken off of jeffersonville and you know the thing about it was i always thought i could stay there the rest of my life but after you win at that time, there was only 61 of us that ended up winning. And there's only 13 of us alive today. Of course, it's a long time ago. But people don't realize the 30,000 and that kind of stuff. They just don't understand. Uh, and it was a lot of pressure. I mean, uh, Whitty and I talk about it. I see him quite often, and he goes, one of us was bad. But well, two years later, I go back to the finals. I go to the finals three out of four years, and then he beats me in 95. So one year I look bad, and the other year he looked bad. But uh, it was a crazy time back in the day. It's so different now because um, the games are still exciting, but there's not that tradition like there was in the one class.
2: I was gonna, that's what I was going to say is how much do you think that, I mean, the class basketball has affected I mean, because, you know, I mean, like whenever I was younger – going and watching i mean like the smaller schools like that was obviously a big deal if they be you know like a seymour or a jennings county like if you're from crothersville or something like that whereas now i mean it gives those smaller schools a chance to maybe go further but you don't have that you know coolness of we won the sectional and beat all of the big dogs
1: yeah they that the people today don't even realize what it was yeah and so the more years it goes. I can see both sides of it. I'm not a pro one class, I guess, now. I, 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 w- I only coached four years in the class. The class kind of burned me out. I, that's why I went on to college, because after you went it in the deal that I was in, yeah, I got to the finals in the d- in the class. We got beat by uh, DeWaney and May at Bloomington North. We got beaten the final four by one point, and they get runner-up. So I had gone the distance. Uh, Randolph at Marion won it, and so they were all pro players. But after I saw it after the one class, even though we went twenty four and five or whatever it was that last season, I was there. I walked out of Hinkle that night thinking I wasn't going to do this anymore because it's 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 just changed now. People today, you sh- I when I was on the IHSA board, congratulations, class champion chess champion. But the neatest thing we did. I dreamed all my life, was around guys like Johnny Barato, East Chicago, and people that were big name guys. And so, we were we won the state that night, and they're just sweeping up in there when it's over. And we had the trophy, and I told the players, "You go in uh, into the bus because they had the airlocks back in the day where the old where the Colts play." Mm-hmm. And so I said, "Coaches, we're all going out to center court." So we walked out, and there's just people sweeping. There's nobody there. It's not for anybody's deal except ours. And they go, Coach, what are we doing? I said, all you assistants that have worked so hard, come with me. And we walked out to the center of the court. And the difference in the class and this was, I remember this guy was sweeping. He goes, Coach, what you doing? And I said, I got to do this. I may never get to do this again. I walked to the center court with the trophy. I said, fellas, it's officially over. There's one team left. Yeah. We're standing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the difference.
2: I, I would agree with that.
0: I think even just you know, like you talked about, sixty-one guys had won it, and you know, thirteen of you are still alive, and and that's the thing. You are you are not nineteen ninety-three class four A, right? You are nineteen ninety-three state basketball champions. I mean that. So I that mean, like in that. I mean, deal. you
2: were obviously the best of that year. I mean, no matter what the size. So I do think that that's that does make a difference because i mean if you win the 1a or 2a or i mean any of them it's like well i mean i was the best in my little bubble
1: well it, it happens all the time i mean my wife she chuckles but that was 25 years ago and i the last team to go to the finals was 18 years ago and so i walk into a place and you know people whatever i mean I'm, i've been out of it now for a while they go, coach, man, I remember the running Red Devils, and they don't know who won the state two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> but they know the Devils, and they go Devils ninety three. And I be in Lafayette, and they go Devils ninety three. And they, I had a guy the other day come up, he goes, uh, I was in Indianapolis. He goes, I want my grandson to meet you. I go, okay, how nice. Of you, how you doing? He goes, Red Devils, best teams ever. They took off on the run, and so the class. What happens is. They can't remember the teams. So actually, in my little world, which it's pretty little anymore because I retired, but my little world, they because of class, they remember mm-hmm. the teams I had and don't remember anything else. I
2: think it it seems like it it means a lot more, or meant a lot more. I mean, not saying that it doesn't mean a lot, you know, for those kids. But like you said, I mean, everybody. I mean, like you don't remember who won class, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm two or three years ago or last year, I mean, maybe, but you remember some of those other teams back in the day. Well,
0: and I think one thing that it it does hurt is when you had these, you know, sectionals that were local, you know, when you had Crothersville going to Seymour, a lot of those people, whoever won that Seymour sectional, all of those people, those local people, had watched those teams, and they even knew those teams, even if they didn't like them, didn't root for them. They were going to go watch them in the regional because they were kids that that were around them now. They now were local.
2: There was a local school. Yeah.
0: Now, when you're traveling an hour and a half to play a, a sectional game, yeah. you know, to try and fit into that class, there's not that local and and you know feel to everybody and kind yeah. of getting behind a team. So, I. I obviously it, it's what we have, I understand why, but I think that I think that's a huge loss to the the sport is that you know we're into the class
1: basketball now, but it's it's created a lot of problems because people now move. If you couldn't play at Jeffersonville, you got better, yeah now, if you can't play at Jeffersonville, well, I guess I'll just go to some other school and so it's it's a different world because I hear when I was on the board, you heard it constantly in all the sports. Trophy's the same size, coach. Trophy's the same size. Well, I know that one down in Jeffersonville is pretty big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I understand where people
0: are even coming by saying that, but I, I still think in, in my time coaching, and I think you would agree, even with class basketball, and this isn't a knock on any other class because there is great teams that play across the board. Mm-hmm. But I think as any coach, now that there's class basketball, you do want to get to the top level and, and win there. I mean, and that's not knocking any of the smaller schools, but I, I still think there's that desire that I need to get there so that I have that opportunity to play the absolute best in the state.
1: Well, I heard one coach tell me a couple of years ago that's why they play the 4A game last. And there's <laughs> some truth to that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: All right, so you know, obviously, and then uh, recently retired and semi-retired, took on this new position with the Indiana All Star Game and the All Star Director. So, what exactly? What what exactly is your role with that?
1: Well, uh, it kind of expands as the year goes on because I deal with a lot with Banker Life. I have a meeting tomorrow with the Indianapolis Star. Uh, I've met pretty much all the power people at the Banker's Life as far as and then Marion College. We have to. We're going to have them stay there. And so I spend a lot of time in Indianapolis. I travel three days a week watching games. And then it's a lot of uh, really some just a lot of business work, ticket sales, different things like that. So really, uh, it kind of all falls on you, to be honest, for the day to go well. We play June uh, 3rd. Hopefully, we're going to play the Juniors Indiana against Juniors Kentucky. And then on the 5th, we're going to play in northern Indiana, the seniors All-Stars against the junior All-Stars. And then Friday, we go to Bellarmine and play, and we have buses and all that situation. So it's kind of like an AD's job to a mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. except I'm responsible for picking the best 13.
2: I was going to say, and, and it's all over the state, obviously, too.
1: <laughs> right, so we got to find 12 or 13 the best girls, 12 or 13 the best boys. And what you find out is when you travel the state – I think there's 28 Division One girls, and I think there's 29 or 30 Division One boys, and you got 12 suits, maybe 13 suits. And so <clears throat> when you cross the state, you just see there's a lot of good players. And uh, this is a year where probably there's not any guy that you – know, there may be one or two that may be just NBA guys in a year or two. There's no Romeo. yeah, But I think that, you know, with Romeo, they split. And Kentucky's getting a lot better because their guy that is in my spot, he's a real go-getter. And so – we kind of take it a little more personal. It's for charity and this and that and the other, but you know, I'm going to make it really well known when I bring them in, we want to win them all. Mm -hmm. And I think there's pride in being an Indiana player and there's pride in being Indiana. And if the ones don't play hard, it's going to be a little different because if they don't play hard, I'm going to just tell the coach, they don't play hard, sit them out. And I'm going to tell the parents that too, because they've had good careers. If they're responsible and they take it, personal that's great if they just want it to be a fun time we've got to make those games more uh physical we've got to make those games more of a real live game where that's important for the people to draw for the crowd mm-hmm. and they used to be i coached the team in 96 it was a bloodbath and kentucky was tough they had a kid named Mims that went to villanova or whatever and he had 33 against it but lewis i had lewis and cornell and some of those guys they took the thing personal I don't think it has to be like that, but you should leave Indiana. If you're wearing those jerseys, every school yeah. you go to, they're hanging up on the wall. You need to put in a good – we're coming in Monday. Last year, they brought them in on Tuesday. I'm bringing them in for more practices, so I'm bringing them in on Monday. But from Monday to Saturday, I expect them to work hard and to sweep it, sweep the deal.
0: And – do you think that you know with with AAU basketball and you know that, that some of that competitiveness between the states has gone away?
1: Yeah, and I, I think that um, it has, and see the the option for the All-Star director is two ways, two things: You either try to pick the best 13 players in the state, the best 13, or do you try to build a team with the best players in Indiana. And so I'm leaning a little more toward trying to build a team. We're going to have X amount of posts. We're going to have X amount of wings. We're going to have X amount of guards. And I, one of the things that I look for and some of the coaches have been surprised is give me their grade point average. Uh, What's kind of clubs are they involved in? What's, and then the last thing I say is what's their scoring average and rebound average. And are they unselfish? And it's kind of of thrown some of them off because, well, what's their ranking in the country? See, that doesn't really matter to me. What I'm interested in, I'm good and you're good. Well, I pass you the ball if you're open. And I think the all-star, the past all-stars have, a lot of people have called me. And the guys from the past, they said, Mike, they got to be tougher. And so I don't know if we'll be able to do that. I'm not saying I will be able to accomplish that feat, but I'm going to try to hire some coaches that make their teams play hard and if their teams play hard I expect this team to play hard and I don't care totally I mean I'm not going to be on my deathbed if we lose but I just want them to compete and I think for the most part we've done that but like last year you know we split and I think we should do better than that
0: and I and I think it comes back to like what we were talking about earlier you know even with with the older or the the past in basketball I think that to guys your age, and even some of those the people whose jerseys are on the walls around all these all these schools, that was a huge pride thing. And when you say you guys took it personal, I mean that was number one to get that jersey and be on the wall was a huge honor. And when you got it, you wanted to represent Indiana the right way. And I think again, I, I think that is a, a, a shift. And it's interesting that you say it that way because to a lot of these kids what their rivals rank or what ESPN's got them is so important to them. Yeah. But 20, 30 years ago none of that mattered at all. It was all about you wanted to get these opportunities to put yourself in front of the best coaches in the in the country.
1: Well, I've got I've I have 65 kids on a piece of paper and I've seen 63 And so uh, it's been kind of interesting to try to see this many kids either on film or or live. And the thing about it is we we still want them to fit together. We want it to be a fun week. Uh, We don't want a whole lot of knotheads on the deal. We want the thing, the coaches to enjoy it. I I really want them to leave there enjoying instead of, man, this was a drudge. This Mm -hmm. was tough. Because – by Sunday, the games on Saturday night and on Sunday, those colleges are bringing them into campus. So your high school day ends, even though it's a college game, we have college officials that rah, rah stuff. It's your local deal. They don't realize what they're getting into. And I think we're doing them a disservice if we just let them mess around for the week, because mm-hmm. on Sunday, as you, you know, you just see like Phenasy and and Romeo at IU, I mean, Right now in February, they feel like it's two seasons at New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a – whether you win or lose, the college is such a grind that I want it to be fun, but I also want them to play hard against each other in practice. And I think the only th- qualification I'm going to tell the coaches is that this Mr. Basketball has to start both games. And then after that, who plays, who plays, doesn't matter. My best player, the, the reason we split against Kentucky because we were uh, – we weren't favored in either game. And the reason we split is I had a young kid named Mickey Hozier that played at Ball State that was at Alexandria. And he was probably one of the three last three kids chosen on that team that I had. And yet he was our best player because he was the toughest. He didn't score a whole lot of points, but he kept passing it to Lewis. He mm-hmm. kept passing it to guys that they could score and so he made us good by sacrifice
2: yeah well I think it would be hard um because like you said I mean all of those guys that are on that team guys and girls that are on the team they they're the best player on their school high school team yeah I mean you know so they're used to be in the one to do you know the scoring and all that kind of stuff and so when you bring all of those really good ones in together I think that I mean, it would be hard. I mean, that's that's the interesting part of the coach and, you know, that you're trying to choose to get a team together that, like you said, isn't going to just be all about me, but still going to, you know, pass to the other ones because everybody's good at that
1: point. Yeah, we're really trying to hit the ground running. We're trying to work with boys and girls clubs and CYOs and doing a little few different things than they've done in the past to try to get a bigger crowd. Mm-hmm. There was 12,000 when I did it, and, and this past year there might have been six. But I think it's for the kids, and so we're going to have more of the fan cams and all this <laughs> kind of stuff and make it uh, more fun for the just the 10-year-old who hopes someday to become right. this. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's still – I've really found out with the girls' side of it, on the ladies' side of it, this deal is really Im- – important to them and i know aau but aau is not as important for the girls as it is for the guys yeah and so the the young ladies i i think from one through 13 we're going to be really competitive i don't think we have any star players uh, but we have good players so it'll be fun to watch them i want
0: to ask this because obviously you've had several players go on the division one and obviously you've coached there you, we talk about kind of romeo and those guys figuring it out you know in their first year and and do you think that it's do you think it's very difficult for those players to not only physically go through that grind but i mean romeo i think is getting some reaction from the the media and the fan base that he's never experienced before i mean and and no matter what the opinion is on him i mean he's never had somebody grill him the way dokic has grilled him the last couple times on the radio or you know Usually everything was a positive about him. Do you think that's something that these kids really struggle with transitioning now to?
1: I think they get hyped up so much with this AAU. And you got people making decisions on these kids like these guru guys that never coached anything. (laughs) And so what happens is they get this false sense of security. I mean, so when they go to like IU or places like that, the biggest issue is they don't know how to guard anybody. Mm -hmm. And so that puts them behind the eight ball because they're trying to catch up. And then just the physical, just the physical play. I mean, you know, I don't care if they're pros or going to be pros or whatever. It's a physical play. And what happens that separates these kids is that you got to have a little of that it in you, that it factor where you're just tough. And if, if a kid never has to face that, then he don't know until he gets there. I know with Wilkerson, Wilkerson, I worked him hard. I suspended him. I was tough on him because he was really talented. So when he becomes McDonald's all American, I can remember the week of the sectional. I mean, we had charging fouls. I made the whole team run over him because he wasn't tough enough that day. But what happened with him was when he went there as a freshman at IU, he wasn't a really good shooter, but he was athletic. And so the, the, Nicest comment Knight made until he had that compound fracture, which kind of ended his career was coach. I want you to come to the game today. He's guarding Rose. I go, he's guarding Jalen Rose tonight. Well, he'd been out of high school for six. Me goes, coach, you taught him how to do it. He can guard Rose. Well, he goes out there in the 10th game of his college career and have Rose to six. And so I felt good about that because that part, you don't hold rows to six unless you're tough. Mm -hmm. And I think that that a lot of these kids miss that it. Like they never had to fight in high school. It Mm -hmm. was easy. And so, okay, fights all now. Now what are we going to do? And what we tried to do is we created that a little bit in practices where you just can't go and roll over. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of kids have trouble with that. Like, well, I'm supposed to score and that guy going to let me score. Well, no, Michigan State's not going to let you score. (laughs) Yeah those not going to let you score, and there's just a the, that part of it. And some kids have it, and some kids don't. Some kids get it, some kids don't, and some kids never get it. And those are the ones that are playing in Europe.
0: Yeah, and you know, and, and I, I, I don't want to knock Romeo in any way, shape, or form, but I said the beginning of the year when they played Duke in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and Zion Williamson's just going off and. and it was a compliment to to Romeo during the during his high school career that he was so even keeled, and he you know you didn't see the highs, you didn't see the lows. But at some point in that game, I wanted him to come down on the defensive end and slap the floor and 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 make a statement that we're done. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna make a play, I'm gonna do something, and that that's what I think I as a you know as a follower has have waited to see out of him um, that. I don't know if he's got it or not. And when they talk about him at the next level, I think it's tough to to do that without some of that, as you say, the it factor.
1: Yeah. I think everybody gets to a point that there's going to be something happens where you either got to decide to get it or not get it. And Romeo's going to get it when he gets drafted. So once he gets drafted, he's going to be on a pro team that there's going to be all these guys that did Romeo things. And, I can remember going to the Pacers' first practice when I won the state. Uh, I was invited. And then when I was in Oklahoma, the Hornets, or the the Oklahoma City teams practiced at our gym. And it was funny that there was a kid from Duke, I can't think of his name now, walked in the first day, and he thought he was really good. And Smiths and these guys, <laughs> Miller and those guys, kept blocking his shot. Finally, Brown goes... You know what? I know you're great in college. Just go over there and sit down. Well, then I saw Paul as a fresh, or as a first year guy. He walks in, comes out of Wake Forest. Here I am. I'm the guy. He had the it. Yeah, there it, was no questioning who was going to run the team. Chris Paul practiced one. They had these garbage cans around, and Chris Paul just walked in and said, "You guys must be soft if you're going to throw up in these garbage cans." It was a rough deal. I mean, it was physical. And Paul goes, "Come on, man. I want some more of this." And you could just tell. He had the fight in him, and so either Romeo, he won't have to do it this year because they're out of the deal. If he goes on to the pros, then there'll be a reckoning in June that he's got to decide, I got this deal, I'm going to slap the ground, or I'm just going to get run over. And he's going to have a bunch of money either way, so right, I yeah. guess in the end it's not going to really make any difference. But there's every kid, whether it's coming out of high school to college or coming out of college to the pros, there comes a reckoning day. And I watched those draft choices go into the Hornets' camp, and I watched them at the Pacers' camp. And, I mean, you could tell within a day or two, if they don't have it, they are lost. They are dead. Because there's not many Zion Williams, but there's guys in Europe and guys all over. And that press clipping of what I did at New Albany or IU or whatever, that doesn't hold no water. No, and, and you
0: know, and again, like you said, when we talk about when they get on that pro team – all
1: of those guys have those press clippings.
0: All of those guys have had those accolades. They're they're there for a whole different level at that point.
1: When they get to cut day, there's a day where they gotta make X amount of guys that stay on those teams. And uh, so Willis Reed was there, and Willis and I became good friends. We sat together for probably a thousand hours over two years. It was fantastic because he's got so many stories. He goes, Mike, you gotta come today, babe. This is when it counts. And I said, What's what are we doing? He goes, Well, it's gonna be a scrimmage and it's gonna be uh like the okay corral. And I said, Really? Well, that scrimmage when they were getting after it, because some guys were getting on out, some guys were getting three the the twelfth guy on the Hornets bench 15 years ago made three million. And so when you're talking about that much money, everybody's kind of like there today. <laughs> the birdman was there. Birdman yeah. was crazy. Birdman walks in, he he looks at Willis and he goes, uh, Mr. Reed, I'm gonna get every rebound today, and you know he was just a monster. I mean, six nine, a monster. That's how he stayed in the league. He couldn't shoot or anything. Well, anyway, there was a twenty-minute scrimmage, and what I came from, I'm sitting on the first row, and they are killing each other. But the bottom line was this: that ball never got below the rim once. <laughs> <laughs> and when it was over with, there was three trainers, all ice and and cutting and cuts and everything else because. There was no calls. There was a no fouls. And it was like, who's staying? Who's going to get us to the playoffs and who's on the way out? And, you know, like guys like Paul and the Birdman and some of those guys, they ended up 41 and 41 that year. They were about 500. But, I mean, it was a physical melee. Now, it wasn't like that every day. But on that day. <laughs> it was time to go. When you're talking yeah. about money, that was something. So, I'm going to ask you this before we, we
0: take off and, and – I'm very interested to hear kind of where you go with it, but over over the entire time that you've been around Indiana high school basketball, who, who's in that upper echelon of the greatest players ever from Indiana for you?
1: Well, I got the good fortune at the IHSA. They had all the old tapes back to the 40s, and so I would tell when I'd go to board meeting, I'd say, hey, make this tape of Van Arsdale. Uh, make this tape of Oscar. Make this tape of Plump. Make this tape. Make this tape. And so – I can't go back any farther than 50, but that's pretty far. It's 70 <laughs> years. Oscar was the, as far as competing against guys that looked the same. If, if you, the history, when Oscar won at Attics, there was a guy named Dickie Barnett that played at Roosevelt and the, and Oscar scored 30 in the game and Barnett scored six and Barnett played with Reed to win the world championship. Oscar was like that Pippen commercial, that one commercial with Jordan or Pippen back in the day when there were a bunch of little people running around, and here was Oscar. So Oscar, I still think, is the best player I ever saw play as far as – and I got to see him on tape, but he was so far uh, so much better. Rick Mount, I watched him play. I mean, he would have scored 50 or 60 with the three-point line. He sticks out in my mind. Um I think that McGinnis, I saw the game at Marion when they won the state championship. It was him and Downing, and he was just a man. And, of course, Alford, when he got beaten the Semistate, final, he had 48, and it was incredible, the baskets he made. And then the best team, I think, was Turgovich and Stoddard, Bridgman, Adell. They were all Division One players. Bridgman goes to the Bucks and plays. Uh... Uh, Stoddard goes to the he plays pro basketball and baseball and of course Turgovic is the first Indiana guy ever to be recruited by Wooden and they were probably the best team I saw but then as you get into this deal now where you, the Conley and Oden uh, you know it's kind of interesting I do have a story was kind of funny because I, I spent three days with Johnny Wooden before he passed away mm-hmm. it was a great deal met his house <laughs> if he wanted if he needed a biscuit i ran and got it whatever so in fact walton shows up and so walton he had this basketball over on the table and he goes might get that basketball over there so i got it he says look at those names on that basketball where there was chamberlain and oscar and they'd asked wooden to sign it and i said what's this ball coach he goes top 50 players all time and he and he and i started laughing i said you want it He goes, they should have left me more space so I could put a bigger my my words in there. He was teasing. He said, so I could put my letters of my name on there. But you kind of look at that. But the tradition of Indiana basketball, when I was at Nebraska and places like that and I traveled, people would come up to me and they'd say, did you win the state championship in Indiana, Oscar, McGinn? And I go, no, I was way past that. They go, but one winner? And people are still today marvel at the number of players. Mm Mm-hmm the number of players, I mean, that are like, I went to Pike the other day and you walk into Indianapolis Pike and they have the tigs and that with all their NBA jerseys. I mean, here you have a a school in Indianapolis with a trophy case with four NBA jerseys in it. I mean, it's, it's amazing the number of players. And I mean, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I met Oscar, Oscar came uh, for the Attics game and he took my microphone and we started talking and, I was always an Oscar fan. We played for the Bucks and played with Chabar and I guess I don't know unless somebody's better. I mean, I guess think I Oscars. He was just so much better. Plus, he broke so many barriers when mm-hmm. he did it. Yeah, yeah, it
0: wasn't the- an easy road for him yeah. to to, so. to get there. Obviously, that's a I I I think that. Today, a lot of people I think it's tough to realize just how great he really was, you know, and how athletic Oscar was and the game was so different than today, but I think when you look at at him and some of the others that you mentioned, those are guys that could have played any year you know right. they they could walk in today and their game would still match with what's going on today so um i think it's I think it's pretty amazing when you look back and you talk about all of those guys and and you're right the the number of Indiana high school kids that go on to the NBA and, and major college basketball and do things, uh, it's, it's a pretty
1: healthy list. Well, you know, we have the Hall of Fame, and Danny Brown and Harmon made the Hall of Fame in the last few years. But that list is about 500 names that are, are still not on it, and there's NBA guys not on it. That's how the Hall of Fame, when you only take 12 a year, the Hall of Fame has great players that, you know, for whatever reason, I mean there's probably a lot of reason that played in Europe or played had, you know, drink of water in the pros. In fact, that's kind of an an all star question that I was gonna put out maybe this year, is that how many in the All Star game, how many Indiana and Kentucky players played in the NBA, which I don't have the answer to, but yeah. you look through the list that played on the All Star team. Oh my gosh. And you know, looked in, and some of these people have called me and go, Coach, you gotta keep it's eighty one years old and you gotta keep the game going. And so I even sent out a letter to a few people and I got eight thousand dollars back. Make the game better. Make it tougher. And so I think the guy in Kentucky's kind of because you know you got Louis Dampier, you got some guys that played that were great players in Kentucky Mm -hmm. and some of those games were just unbelievable I mean full house deals at Hinkle and so forth Mm -hmm. so hopefully these kids will understand I I think the AAU but I also think that kids aren't much different I I still think if I didn't have high blood pressure I could coach and Mm -hmm. I think the kids are kids if you kind of hug them and love them a little bit and then make them work really hard and have expectations you're going to get something out of them if you don't have any expectations then they kind of do what they want to do and there's I think there's that that's the situation with a lot of these college kids, you know. Uh, you know like the Indiana thing is broke right now. So can he fix it by the end, I don't know, but it's sometimes it's always gets broke on all these colleges the same way. They don't care enough. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be unselfish enough. It's all those mental things. It would be like football or anything else. It's not the physical skills. Fennessey and and Romeo are plenty good enough at guard.
0: Yeah. Their
1: post guy is plenty good enough, but it's those intangible things. And you know, it's hard once you lose those things. I'm I'm sure Archie's sitting up late at night trying to figure it out, you know, because they were twelve and two. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like they couldn't beat these teams. I mean they beat Marquette. Marquette's nine in the country. And so there's just a fine line in college. When we were at Nebraska, our first year with Barry, we had a really, really good team. And we just couldn't get over the hump because they just didn't want to buy in totally to winning is more important than my pro contract. I mean, yeah. that's about the bottom mm-hmm. line. And I think colleges, it's not Indiana. It's all across the country. They're fighting the same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And I think when you find those guys, you know, and, and as much as they hammer on, you know, the University of Kentucky, but what they've been able to do with some of the big names they bring in and, and you know – caught forcing them to play hard and forcing them to play defense. And um, you, you can't take it away from what they're able to do because it is it, when you bring in these big name guys that are, their eyes are already looking at the next level and next contract I think that's a really difficult situation to get kids to play hard and, and get them in and, and buy in, and I I agree. I think everybody's struggling with that.
1: Well, I think yeah. Caleb Perry's a master of it because yeah. Yeah. if you don't play, we don't know if you're an NBA guy or not, but if you don't play here, you can't be an NBA guy, and he puts pressure on them daily. And That's like watching Michigan State. I mean, Izzo's got pros. Those guys, that Henry from Ben Davis is a player, and last night he played like two minutes, and so I'm thinking, What happened to his deal? Well, he didn't guard. (laughs) He gave up a basket on a baseline drive. So you just sit out. Well, that's what the pros are going to do. So Mm -hmm. if you don't teach it, it, a perfect comment I heard from a guy from Indianapolis the other day was this. These guys that are these main guys that are these big-time players, supposedly, they're going to become good players when they are not running the teams. And there's a lot to be said for that. Hey, I th-
0: I agree. And I think you look at that at the most successful college basketball programs year in, year out. When you're talking about Duke, when you're talking about Kentucky, you talk about Michigan State, you've got coaches there that run the program. There's nobody coming in and going to tell them anything different. Um, but even when you get to the pros, you look at the best pro teams year in, year out. Um, it's guys running the, the show that, that don't bend to everybody who comes in, you know. I mean, right. um, that that you have to kind of buy into what they're asking you to do. I mean, Golden State is Golden State because they have one way they're going to play. Tons of talent, don't get me wrong right. on that team, but they've kind of all bought into the way they're going to play and the way they're going to win. So, well, Coach, I I want to say uh, more than anything, thank you uh, for coming out tonight. And yeah. you know, I I've I like I said, I've had the pleasure of working with you for. 10 years prior to your your new gig here and uh, I've always appreciated uh, your wisdom when it came to me being a coach as an assistant coach and a head coach and um, I always appreciated getting to sit down and talk to you because I agree with you, kids are still kids and they haven't changed that much but uh, uh, I will say I do definitely miss some of the days when I leave and you're not across the hall and (laughs) we at least catch up on the Bears and what's going on on that so but I, I'm glad to see you're enjoying retirement. I'm glad to see you're doing this, that you have such a passion for to to look for the best, you know, 13 in Indiana and build the best team. And uh, I wish you all the best.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I enjoyed working with you. You're my coach back in the day, <laughs> assistant coach, head coach. And I think those lessons that you learned out, out there in football help you in your principal's job. I think there's... A lot of decision making. Except now you have more than twenty five seconds to make the decision. Yeah, I
0: get I get a little bit <laughs> I get a little bit longer most of the time. So, all right, and uh, be following. Uh, we'll be sharing some stuff out as it gets closer to that Indiana All Star Game uh, for Coach Broughton. But uh, again, June third uh, is the junior game,
1: correct? And June, yeah, June third on a Monday is the junior game in Indiana, and then the fifth is seniors and juniors. 7th at Bellarmine, 8th at Banker's Life.
0: There we go. So be following along with that and see who ends up on that team. So, again, Coach, thank you. I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you very much.